Good morning, this is everyone. Be a wonderful webinar today. So, on behalf of Contract Education Tab and Faith and myself, I'm just thrilled to see you all with us this morning. This is going to be a wonderful webinar talking about how to successfully run your contract ed unit. And for those of you who are new to contract ed that may not have started your unit yet, this is going to provide a foundation that will, I hope, really encourage success for your college and your region. We have two amazing facilitators with us today, Rayanne Yanello and Jonathan Bissell. And I'm going to introduce Rayanne first. Rayanne has presented online workshops for over 16 years. She holds a master's degree in communication, two teaching credentials, a certificate in human resources management, and a master training cert certificate from NUMI, which is a Toyota affiliate. She has over 20 years of experience in business and has worked as a director of business development, human resources manager, corporate trainer, and a college professor. So we're very fortunate to have her as one of our facilitators today. Jonathan Bissell is the owner of High Performance Impact LLC. He recently was the executive director of community continuing and corporate education with the San Mateo Community College District. Jonathan is an experienced leader, training expert, executive coach, and strategic thinker with experience in designing and delivering training programs for US and international private and public sector organizations. He's an experienced coach as well and helps leaders grow. And he has a passion for helping leaders and teams achieve greater impact, productivity, and well being. He has a master's in applied linguistics from Teachers College in Columbia University. So, so excited to have these amazing facilitators with us today. And just one quick little note, um, just if those of you who are maybe newer to Contract Ed, Faith and I um, have been for the last five years running the Contract Ed TAP program. We've been so honored and privileged to work with many of you over the last five years. Wanted to let you know that that grant is ending September 30th. So Faith and I will no longer be in this position. And the contracted resources like this webinar, which we will be recording today, are going to be moved to a website that's run by the Upskill California Collaborative. So if you want to write this website down, it's upskillcalifornia.com. And you will, when you go to that website, there will be a password and they will give all of that to you. And that will happen after September 23rd, this, this month of September. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan or Ray Ann. Thank you so much for the two of you to be here today. Thank you, Margaret. We are so excited. Uh, and Ray is going to uh, share in just a second. You heard a little bit about us. And it always is awkward to hear those things. This is all about you. We are here to serve you. The CETAP is here to serve you because you're out there on the front lines doing extraordinary work and trying to scale that work. And so we hope that this time really furthers that goal for you. That's certainly our goal. We want to make this uh, a win for you and the time that you're spending with us today. So Rayanne, why don't you take us away? 
All right. Welcome, everyone. I am Jonathan Sidekick for the day. We are going to really dive into what you can do to make your CE unit profitable and well-sustainable. So in the chat, because we have a large group, if you could put your name, your role or institution, and maybe just one activity that you do that really energizes you. And because we have a large group, if you can put it in the chat, we would love to hear from every one of you. Welcome, Denise. All right. And you will see that I have a I have a picture and I have a phone because I'm having technical difficulties. I'm actually at a client's office because I have another training back to back today and I'm using their equipment and it's just not working the way I thought it would work. So. All right. Coordinator. Great. Evan. Dean this of Workforce. Of oh, perfect. Great. Just the representation across the state too. watching the names. Yeah. come through. Workforce development, great. Melissa, director, lots of high-level people here today, and we hope that we don't have all the answers. We hope that by sharing what is working for your organization, maybe we can get some ahas and some action items today to take away. Oh, hi, Jacqueline. My old haunts, Ohlone College. I was there for five years in contract ed. April, nice. Cynthia, all right, great. Don't, don't forget to put also in the chat what energizes you. Well, we have making connections, surfing. Well, making connections can be a little bit like surfing. I guess people surfing. <laughs> surfing through the crowd, make those connections. Brainstorming, I love some good brainstorming. All right, these are great. This is outdoors. Great. All right. Let's get to it. Thank you for, for being willing to uh, just share a little bit about yourselves. We want to jump right in and talk about why are we even here today? Rayan? So at the end of the session, we want you to be inspired. If any of you took our last workshop, this is our most important tech takeaway, our MIT. You will be inspired to build, maintain, and grow a CE unit. And we'll cover three main topics, increasing your business and profits, improving your programs and services, and then streamlining processes and procedures. Yeah, and, you can, yeah, and, and oh. you, can, you can think about like two thoughts that are bookends here that we often put together, strategic and planning, right? We often say, this is what we're gonna do. Strategy is all about a set of choices you make about what playing field you wanna play on and how you're gonna win on that field. Planning is just a set of activities that you're gonna do. And we often kind of get lost in one at the expense of the other. We hope as we achieve these three objectives with you today that you'll not only get further along with your strategy, but also on the planning side, but the strategy is the most important part. All right, so this first topic area right here, really increasing business and profits. Uh, who doesn't love a good kind of line that's moving up like that? But one of the things I like <laughs> about this image is that it represents the reality of the situation with contract debt and in fact, all business that there's no, there's no smooth linear path. And in the process, we ultimately, we just want the line to go up. But in that process, there's gonna be some ups and downs and if you have the right strategy, 
then you're going to be able to weather those ups and downs really, really well. Rayanne? All right, so we did a little survey and most of you did complete it. And we asked you, what is the most important thing for you right now? What do you want to improve? And is it the number of clients, repeat clients, referrals, costs of obtaining new clients, value of your contracts or your programs and services? And it was very interesting uh, whether we want to improve the quality, the quantity, the variety or the novelty. Only one person wanted to improve the novelty. So that was very interesting to me. So let's look at the results of, the, of that survey. And again, uh, this is based on those who, who answered the questions. The most often response we received on increasing business and profits is to expand and scale our CE programs. And if you took our last seminar, which is also uh, been videotaped, we talked about value stacking and how you can make the most use out of the programs you have so that you're not always recreating the wheel or using other entities, other contract ed providers for content. So I'm not going to read this chart to you, but bottom line is most of you are interested in increasing your business and profits and growing relationships, especially networking and schmoozing. Uh, promoting the resources with other colleges. We are doing that now at uh, San Mateo College. We'll talk a little bit about that. Partnering with other entities with the programs we've already developed. How can we, beside increasing business and profits, how can we improve the services and programs we have? What are other people doing? What more could we do? How could we meet our clients' needs? And how can we improve those programs so that we distinguish ourselves as really value-added businesses? Uh, how do we distinguish ourselves from the competition, which, you know, so many different entities, online and in-person competition? And then where do we get these great instructors and this great content? Because a lot of it's already been developed, and a lot of instructors are actually looking for work. They can work across uh, multiple community colleges. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. And finally, my background working at Toyota for many years, for over 10 years, is in lean manufacturing. But you can bring lean office as well. And we see that a lot of times we don't have things like templates created for our contracts or checklists. The other day I did a training, a retreat actually, and I, I made a training checklist and a training box for our, our in-person in uh, facilitated trainings that what was inside that box, post-it notes, scotch tape, masking tape, all the stuff we needed to make sure it was ready to go. We just grabbed the box and run out the door. So thinking about how do we invite voice? How do we make sure we're price conscious? I have to tell you very quickly, and I, I know Jonathan is like, watch the time because we have a lot to cover, <laughs> but I have raised my prices. I have raised my prices significantly in the last couple of years by explaining to the client exactly what I'm going to provide, especially like a survey, customized training, follow-up recommendations, documentation of the meeting, those kinds of things make us more valuable and allow us to charge more, to be competitive. And finally, automation. How are we using our computer software, our ability uh, to use maybe Excel or any kind of flow charting software. So we'll talk a little bit about all of these throughout the session. Always put your questions or comments in the chat if you want to add to this. So let's jump to those survey results. Only 15 responses. So again, we have 70 people who wanted to attend. But 
almost half of you are in the growth stage. That means you, you already know you've been doing this for a while. So you need more clients and you need more success stories. And I would be asking you, where are you calling those success stories from? Uh, another large portion are in the early stage. One person wrote on the same survey, I am brand new. I have no idea how to answer any of these questions. So Rayanne, it's really good to just, see that. Rayanne, let me yeah, just go ahead. share for a quick second here. Sure. If you can walk away from today with a deeper way of thinking about your strategy, that will be the greatest success. So if you walk away with just a bunch of activities, that's only one portion of this. We're kind of going to be like a speedboat moving across a bunch of different areas today, knowing that with this time, we can only do so much. We're going to drop anchor just a few times for a couple activities, but ultimately we want to get you started in really thinking about what you need to be thinking about strategically for your unit to get to the place where some of these other uh, programs are, where they're scaling. And for the scaling programs, we want you to be able to think, how do I relook at my strategy and dial it in even tighter to take it to the next level? Yeah. What's that one thing that you can do? So what do you want to improve? Most of you want to improve the number of clients you have. I was a little concerned about that because my philosophy or my strategy is to have a few really good clients that book a lot of training throughout the year. And that was our success at Ohlone College when I was there many years ago, and I know the economy has changed, but we had two corporate, client, two corporate colleges, and they funded basically our department for the year. Everything else was gravy. So if you could find those wonderful clients, and they are out there, they're all, we've, we've got a lot of business in the Bay Area and, and in California in general. So many people want to repeat more, you follow up on the, the training you're already offered, but the second uh, Actually, the first major category was the quantity of programs and services. And let me tell you, I did a grant project years ago for Contract Ed where I looked at all the programs being offered at every college. We have so much overlap. We're all doing, most of us are doing the exact same thing. So why can't we find that beautiful program that we can all share uh, or, or just customize for our own use. Why are we constantly recre re recreating the wheel? That would be my comment there. Yeah, Next let me slide. let me add a, a comment as well. So something that changed my entire view of contract debt and how we can do it more effectively, it's probably like five or six years ago now, I was listening to a recording of some contract debt folks um, in a different part of the country, actually. And one of the presenters was asked, um, what did you do to be able to transform your relationships with your clients? And they said, we, here's the shift that we made. We went from being an inch deep, mile wide with all of our clients to uh, an in, uh, a mile deep, an inch wide. And it's kind of like what Rayanne said earlier. It's really this idea of value stacking that we'll come back to later is how do we take the clients that we already have we have a smaller cohort of clients and really serve them well and look at a full array of services that we can provide to them to meet all of their needs. And how do we have a cluster of things that we do that serve a cluster of clients where there's multiple uses for everything that you have and there's a lot of overlap. You're not constantly doing everything as a one-off or 
as a new start with all the spin up that's required for that. So that shift alone really takes a lot of the kind of cognitive load off of you and the time, energy and money load off. So you can really focus in. So um, to do that though, you really need to think about what is your playbook, right? And there's lots of different ways to think about this. This is just one that um, I really find super useful. It's very simple and it really comes down to understanding who you are as a team, right? And as a team, and I'm gonna come back to the idea of team in a minute, you need to really fundamentally understand what is our purpose? Why do we exist? What are we about? Because everything that you're gonna do in your strategy and how you motivate yourself and others and your clients is gonna come back to that. You're gonna to wanna to have that drive everything that you do. How do you behave? We're not gonna get into as much, but really what happens is if you don't identify the values that you have and the behaviors associated with that, it becomes very difficult to know where the boundary lines are, where, um, and you wanna stay within those boundary lines. So every behavior that everyone does on your team reinforces your purpose and enables you to be more and more successful with how you interact with each other and how you interact with your clients. And then what do we do? We're gonna dive into, and oftentimes on teams, they people think they're in alignment on that, but they're actually not until they really talk it through. And then of course, how will we succeed? What's most important right now and who must do what? So here's the idea of team that Rayan and I, uh, we've, we've uh, really just taken this to heart for years and years. And it's why we're doing this training together across many organizations in our, our careers. It's because team is not defined by positions on an org chart. It's by a shared desire to serve people in the same way, in a coordinated, comprehensive way. And so a team is really everyone who's doing their part to serve a common client, right? And so right today, you are a common client, if you will, like we're here to serve you. And it doesn't really matter what roles or titles Rain and I have, or Margaret and Faith for that matter, it's really, we're all here together to serve you. So expand your definition of team. A lot of uh, contracted directors and leaders think about the instructors and like, oh, they're, they're the instructors. But if you really think about them as part of your core team and you think about the people who are doing your actual contract work as part of your team, you get them involved in answering these questions together, it will have a transformative effect on how you develop your own playbook. So why don't we, uh, Rain, anything you wanna to add to that before we dive in more? Just that, that whole idea of making the instructors part of your team and that makes them feel valuable, that makes them um, more available when you need them. A, a very quick story, I was working years ago at a state uh, entity and I was doing meeting skills. I don't know if anybody does meeting skills anymore because of Zoom, but in those days I was listening to all the participants. What were their concerns? What were their needs? And the secretary said, we can't take notes fast enough. We wound up doing a class on shorthand. Another one told me my team doesn't get along. I was able to get the name of her boss and do a team uh, retreat, a facilitation. So the instructors, if they are the ears, they're doing more of the fine-tuning consulting work for you by listening to the participants and maybe even meeting with the managers. 
uh, that is a great opportunity for you to dive deeper to make that, you know, instead of broad more clients, use that one client and really make a difference there. And then you have great results, the ROI, that they're seeing results, so they'll come to you first. All right. So this is um, what we would like you to do right now. We, we've been talking to you for a little bit. We want to give you a chance to really dial into that first question fundamentally. Why do we exist? And we know that there are some of you here who are have other people from your organization, but we want to just give you a chance to think about this. After this training, you go back and get together with those people. We're going to put you in some different breakout rooms. And because purpose forms the roots from which everything that you're going to do grows, we really want you to dial into this question. Why does your CE unit exist? And the answer is not the, the most important thing. It's very important, but it's really the alignment that you're going to get with the people that you're working with that's going to give you the greatest fruit. So you're all rowing in the same direction. So don't think about it in terms of, you know, marketing language and, you know, really think about what truly drives you, drives your unit, and how does your, what drives you personally align with that. And we're going to take about uh, 10 minutes for this, and then we'll come back and share some of those with the larger group. So let me go ahead and get us ready to go into some breakouts here. And let's see. All right. Um, before I put you in the breakouts, any questions about this? It's pretty straightforward. It might seem simple, but it's the foundation for everything. Rayan, um, I can't see the chat right now. Are you seeing any questions in the chat or are we good to go? We're good to go. All right. We'll see you back in 10. All right, all the breakouts are going to close in less than a minute. And I'm going to, uh, when they all come back in, what I want to do is actually stop, I'm going to stop the share briefly. I have the loudest blue jay in my backyard. I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> sure. And we're still recording, so we'll capture the blue jay. <laughs> and hello to those of you who are watching this recording right now. <laughs> and thank you to all who put your cameras on. It's so good to see eyeballs. I teach an online class with students and I have to beg them to turn their cameras on. And sometimes I see things in their room. Yeah, I understand why they shouldn't have their cameras on, but. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome back. We would love to hear what you came up with 
or what you maybe confirmed that you you already knew was driving you. So when we have a few folks, you can go ahead and share uh, in the chat and you can also just come off mute. Uh, we'll just take a couple folks to share. Who would like to share with us? I would Hi, love the people of David and David in my group. Okay, go ahead when you have a Kathy, chance. Sorry, go ahead. Kathy. Uh, sorry, I, I was I just jump in. Uh, so Kathy Hart from Antelope Valley College, and uh, I um, I think uh, we're in a similar situation with a couple of uh, gals who are in my um, group, in that we have. Um, little or no, I mean, some activity going on uh, in one and in my situation, our contract unit is suspended for a period of time, just trying to re jumpstart it. Um, and all of us are pretty reactive uh, to the community needs. But I think we had agreement that, you know, we're really the contract unit is really to serve the business community. I mean, to be able to say yes, yes, yes. How can we help you serve you upskill your employees? bring new things um, and do it quickly rather than have to wait to build for credit opportunities. So. Awesome, mm -hmm. that's great. Thank you, Kathy. Let's see who else would like to share. I could share very quickly for our group. We, we ended up talking about the problem of knowing what to charge um, partners or people who want to purchase contract debt and how to determine the breakdown of costs and um, what those fees should actually be. So we had a pretty good discussion about that in our group. Hey, Drew, that's a great conversation. I would just encourage you, whoever's in that group, not to overlook the power of the why do we exist question. So did that um, come up at all? Like, I'd love to hear what came up around that question. Well, I, I don't know if we got to the why do we exist question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, definitely take some time to think that about That was my that. fault. Because um, <laughs> basically what's ha what happens is there's kind of three stages of work, right? There's ideation, and which is stage one. Implementation is stage three where you were. And there's this middle stage of work, activation, where you're kind of discerning the ideation part and then rallying people around it. If you don't spend enough time in the ideation, everything downstream of that and implementation gets impacted as a result. And it just is not quite as effective. So let's, uh, but it sounds like it was a rich discussion. Let's go ahead and see if anyone else uh, wants to share. I'll why share. Do you so let's take uh, Karen and then Denise, and then okay. we'll- I, Actually, I think Denise held her hand up faster. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's nice of you. Denise? Um, I just wanna say we exist at Allen Hancock College. Uh, most of our contract education is for first responders and public agencies mm -hmm. because they um, have to recertify cyclically. So it's, you know, the firing, a shooting range, um, EVOC driving, uh, urban search and rescue. So we're really serving our community as well as other, um, you know, businesses. But that's the main contract education part to us is first responders. That's great. And Karen? Yes. Well, we try to do social justice work. We try to have that as our focus. We're always um, putting our contracts up against that as a criteria. So we're, um, we want to, of course, better the community, but we want to give 
opportunities for people who might not have opportunities to get a high paying job or to move up in their company. So those are our focuses to move people into high paying jobs and um, sustainable jobs that give them opportunities to, to advance. This is so great because what we're really talking about here, if you take a step back, collectively, the state of California desires through these types of units to really increase and impact economic development. And each of our units is a local response to local organizations to be able to do that. And so there's the local aspect that many of you touched on. There's the speed and nimbleness aspect that many of you touched on. And then there's the specific ways that each of you will express that in the services that you offer. And so this is all part of that bigger purpose that you can dial up with your team uh, and with clients to say, hey, this program that we're offering right here um, is actually connected to our bigger purpose of empowering organizations in our community. And the reason why that matters to us is it matters to um, our college. And because of this tie into this vision, you paint that picture and say, and actually the, the entire state of California is also focused on this, but they're not able to get in and understand our local organizations the way that we understand you. And so we're here for you. So you can kind of dial it up and down and give people that context. It's quite powerful when you get lost in, in a sea of different activities to realize like you're actually serving a greater purpose. All right. So, and I can go on and on about that because it's so much fun to talk about, but we're empowered to hear your stories a little bit. And we want to talk about this next critical question right now, which is what do we do? Ryan, you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, what, what are we doing that is working? What I heard in uh, the breakout room that, that I was in is that we're offering one-hour classes, and those are fairly successful. And my, my question is, all right, what, what else could you do with those one-hour classes? And my example was, you know, we, we have a, a large uh, area here that's just construction-oriented, so you have a one-hour conflict management class. You use the bones of that, but you add interactive exercises based on interviews you've done with the clients. For example, a wall had to be torn down and it cost an extra $10,000. How do you go about telling the client about the extra cost? You have them actually do. And I think that's one of the things of learning is that today, especially with the different generations, is it has to be very focused. It has to be hands-on, has to be relevant, current. All the things that we are doing, we need to double check. And I'm going to put my HR hat on just for a second. And if I'm, when I was an HR manager and I was hiring outside consultants to come in, my goal was obviously to make myself look good so that I can get my raise. And how did I do that? By showing that I'm retaining employees, by showing that I'm not having to hire to replace top talent, uh, by showing that I have an idea of how to develop the company as we continue to grow so that uh, we can stay profitable. How can you help the people who are hiring you to make them look good? So I think that's very important. What are we doing that is working? How do we make the people that we contract with look good? And how do we make the company better? And then what are we doing that is not working? And again, I think a lot of times we're recreating the wheel. We're bogging down people in processes. When I worked at, I'm not going to name the place, but it was another college. And 
it was so such a process. We had to go to the board to get board approval. And then we'd have to, I mean, we had to jump through so many hoops. Sometimes our clients uh, were frustrated. And I think we, we live in a day and age where, you know, fast, fast thinking, right? I, I think some of the times we take too much time to get programs going and then we don't check in on them to make sure that they're going in the right direction. I don't know. I'm going to yeah. have you guys think about that. So this okay, is why I love working in? with Ray is that uh, with Ray and because <laughs> we bring uh, an overlapping complementary perspective to this. So I want to um, I want to pull back to the big question on the left side of the screen, which is what do we do? This is one of the playbook questions, right? So there's really two ways to go with this. One is the activity way, which is what are the specific things on our menu? And then within that, what's working, what's not, how do we do all those things with it to make it better? That's the planning side. The strategic side, the strategy side of this is what do we do in terms of what's our chosen playing field? And how are we gonna win in that field? For, for our client, for us, right? So what, how do we decide, what's our criteria for deciding what's on the menu in the first place based on what we understand about providing a local response to serve the organizations in our area? And if you just jump to the activity part, it's gonna be very difficult yeah. to have sustained successful growth. And if you're already successful and you wanna take it up a level, re-examine the criteria for what's on your menu in the first place. Go to the strategy side of this. Now, for some of you, you're going to be somewhere in the middle and you can think about both, but start with the strategy side. What's your chosen playing field and why and how are you going to win in that field? And then you answer these other questions that will really help you refine that menu. All right. Uh, and then another, you know, to take this a, a level further, if we think about how do we look at the playing field, right? So there was this, Ray and I are always on the lookout for great kind of visuals and articles and ideas around expanding our thinking in this area. And I came across this one a little while back and I really like it. And you can think about four ways of looking at this, right? So the top two boxes they describe as unconventional users. For our purposes, I'm gonna change that to say, those who are not yet our clients. And the bottom two boxes they call mainstream users, let's just say those who are already our clients. And the idea is on the left side, on the left bottom, you have those who are already your clients. And what you wanna do here is really focus in on just one or two of your clients. And if you don't have a client yet, you can think about doing this when you get some and say, are we truly understanding what it is that they need? And if we think we do, what are we doing about that? And then what else can we do, that value stacking idea, to better serve them? And that could be either a complementary service or an expansion or modification of what we're already providing. And it's really deepening and having more conversations with them. Then you also look to the right of that and say, okay, across the clients that we serve, what are the patterns and trends that we're seeing and how are we responding or not to those? What do we need to do to, to um, take the greatest advantage of the things that we're doing in one place across multiple places? So you can take one thing that works really well and look who else could really benefit from this across our existing clients or what are the trends and patterns 
that we see that allow us to create a new service or something that can serve all of them or more of them than we already are. And the top is kind of the same exercise. Look at on the top left, the telescope is, um, look at one particular client that you want to serve aspirationally and say, how might we go about understanding their needs, building a, a, alignment and partnership with them? And what would it look like to truly serve that one client? And answering the questions for one client really helps you to think um, in a very focused way. And then you can start to say, okay, now what kind of cluster or industry sector are they in? And how do we think more broadly about the patterns that we might see about how we might serve that cluster of clients to be able to move into that new area? Does that, is that clear for everyone? All right, I just wanna invite uh, a question or comment if anyone wants to come off mute and ask about this idea, this concept. And Ray, if you see anything in the chat, um, let me know. And if no one has a question now, it's fine. We can wait till the very end and we'll, we'll keep it moving. All right, well, let's, uh, let's continue then. So the next thing we'd like to focus on is we want to take a look back and, um, and Ray and I are going to tag team a little bit here. And I'm going to share one concept before Ray and dives into the, the details of this, which I've been refining this idea more and more. And the language I've landed on is this. It's all about momentum. And there's two fundamental approaches that people default to. And I want to push you to default to one of them more than the other. The first default is, how do we build momentum? And what, are, what is our strategy and our planning? And how do we go about that? And how do we build that momentum? The other strategy that, we, that some people default to, but fewer, is how do we borrow momentum? Which is, Who's already running, individuals and organizations already running in the direction that we want to run, that we've decided, hey, this is our playing field. If we're going to win on this playing field, who's already doing something that we can partner and align with, where we can borrow their momentum and say, hey, we see that you're doing this. We'd like to align with you and complement what you're doing with this, these services or this activity. And they can also borrow your momentum. And you get a lot further, a lot faster when you have that concept. Um, so Ryan, uh, anything you wanna add to that uh, important concept uh, before we dive into momentum from the past? No, just, no it just, it, we just need to be constantly uh, networking and creating connections and, and asking good questions. Sometimes just making sure that we're asking the right questions and, and of, our, of our team as well, not, not just of our clients. So, yeah, I would like to start by, by talking a little bit about networking. Some of the things that we have done in the past, or I should say we in contract ed, is things like uh, President's Breakfast, where we would invite companies in the area that we really wanted to do business with and tell them the services of the entire college, not just contract ed or community ed, but we talk about uh, our career services, our foundation, all, all the different programs we have for students. 
quick example, I met a, a woman in 1992, I think, or 95, I believe, when I was at Ohlone, and I have stayed in touch with her. She has gone to, she has been at, in at least five different companies, and every company she goes to, since she worked with me at Ohlone, she will call me to do similar or advanced training for her organization. So LinkedIn, uh, President's Breakfast, any kind of chamber of uh, chamber of commerce. I belong to two HR networking groups because human resources is a huge field now with compliance and development. And I, I know a lot of HR people are very challenged these days. They don't have a lot of time to do projects. And that's another thing that your contract ed could get into besides training is project management. Besides networking, how are you advertising? I know that we don't have big budgets, but LinkedIn is free. Uh, Social media, I don't know if any of you are using TikTok yet or Twitter, but I know that th that those those can get a lot of viral uh, hits. If we can do, we've been talking about at San Mateo doing snippets of our training with one takeaway and being able to promote our, our products and services that way. Can you find a large company, a large corporation that has many departments that you could expand what you did in one department to to many others. And I'll give you one quick example is your own college. I recently did a retreat for one department that had a new manager coming on board. How can we get to meet our team? What do we, how do we know their strengths? How can we make the team meet deadlines? Some of the issues that they were having, and it was really successful, so much so that the the new director said, I'm going to promote this with other teams in my unit. So uh, partnership, not only with large companies, but within the college. One more quick example, career services. When I worked a career as the director of uh, career services at a university, I, we noticed that uh, the, the insurance companies, they were trying to hire students. They couldn't get in students that were qualified to write insurance policies. And so we, we asked them, what, you know, what's going on? Well, they don't have the skills. Therefore, we contracted with Contract Ed to develop an insurance academy. They actually gave us a grant. They started a $35,000. They said, here, create the curriculum, and we would like to bring it into our company. So when we hire people, we could put them through that training program. We don't have to develop it. So thinking outside the box there, what are, where are companies struggling? Um, right now, I know that companies are really struggling with keeping top talent. How can we address that? ETP, I personally think ETP is a lot of work uh, for not a lot of money, but that's my, much my prejudice. I think it's a good way to supplement your programs, but I'm not sure I would rely on it. I'm open to discussion on that. And then I, I really loved, I think it was uh, one of you, and I, I don't see my chat now, but somebody said, we are not sharing enough. We already have instructors and programs and, you know, marketing blurbs. Why aren't we sharing that? And one more quick example. I mentioned that I worked at Toyota, which was a car company. I have been able to use that to get into other car companies saying, hey, I was the uh, a key trainer at Toyota. We, I've done full programs. So I've actually gotten into two big electric car companies in the area based on that experience. And I started out doing compliance, a little lean manufacturing, and now I'm doing HR 101 for managers 
to make sure they stay out of legal problems. It's been a very successful program that have rolled out uh, time and again. So um, Rayanne, those are just examples. Yes. Rayan, there's uh, so two quick things. One, yes. just to acknowledge there within contract ad, there's two fundamental approaches. There's um, ETP, which is the using the employment training panel, and it's beyond the scope of this to get into that, but there's a bunch of highly successful units that, that is primarily what they do. And then the other is fee for service, which is what a lot of other folks do. It's every client is different. And you charge different fees based on what it is. Um, and there's some that do both, right? Um, so if you pick one, it's really, again, about what's the strategy and what's the plan and how do you put those together? Um, there is a great question in the chat for you. Uh, it says, Ray, can you share more about um, the training you developed for a company, how you found the right person in the company to make that connection. And then there's also so a request to hire you, which maybe someone can email you afterwards. <laughs> so this, the, the first question is, start with the people you already know and ask for referrals. And that's how I've often gotten referred into other companies because well, I'll say so-and-so said I should talk to you. Use your LinkedIn, find out who the HR manager is have a, instead of making it sound like too markety or too, you know, like I'm fishing for information, try to get a, a phone call. And I've read some articles that said call after five, because a lot of people are still working and they're more likely to pick up at that time. Anyway, there's a whole list on guerrilla marketing. I highly re recommend that book on how to get to the right person. But also, like I said, join uh, tech groups like HR. There's a, there's a Bay Area Human Resource uh, group this week or next week, I'm going to the HR star conference in San Francisco. Will I be networking there? Uh, if the, the more you can meet with people one-on-one -on -one and say, look, and here's my, here's my plug. I am not looking for more work. I have way more work than I can handle right now, but I can connect you with someone who can help you to get a really good training program going in your organization. That's guaranteed to make you look good, to improve your profit. So again, yeah. trying to find that right person through maybe, you know, other referrals, LinkedIn, hiring yeah. managers. If you look at a job announcement and you see where, who, who the hiring manager is and you see that, you know, you can get a name from there and start there and say, oh, I noticed you're hiring a product manager for your company. Are you having uh, trouble filling that position? What's going on? And then you could start. Could you direct me to HR? Because we have a program specifically that could address those needs, those kinds of things. Yeah, let me add to that and say everything that Rayanne is talking about aligns with this borrowing momentum idea, right? Where you're not. And so when you borrow momentum, what you end up doing is you, you employ a go to them approach. When you build momentum, you employ a come to us approach. And that is a lot more work. It's a, it's kind of like, if you build it, will they come approach like field of dreams, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can know which one you have by whether you're more focused on getting those others to like clients to come to you versus going out there and being with people and looking at what they're doing and aligning with them. That's more in line with borrowing momentum. So all of these things, all of these activities, you can do them from two approaches, but the borrow momentum, go to them approach, hands down is going to get you greater value every single time. Right. 
We'd also like to ask you, what has worked? Has putting an ad in the newspaper work? Has, has going to a Chamber of Commerce event work? Has, has sending out flyers or email work? Do you use a, like a, do you use a special program to make sure that your email is not landing in spam? Uh, did you revamp your webpage recently? Do you have videos on your webpage? Have you looked at, have you contacted other training providers to see if there's a hole you can fill? I would love to know what people have done that works. Yeah. And while you're answering that question, and we, and we do want to hear that, go ahead and put in the chat and let's be a little bit vulnerable with, with each other and with ourselves here. What, what default do you tend to fall into? the build momentum or the borrow momentum? The come to us or the go to them? And it's, there's no right or wrong here, but there's it just to help everyone see where we're at and we can try to take those steps toward the borrow momentum. And then in terms of specific things, if you wanna come off mute at anyone and share your response to Rayan's question, that'd be great. So I see one brave soul so far, Janice, thank you, borrow momentum. And if you're doing a mix of these, that's okay. What we want you to ultimately, whether you put in the chat or not, is say, how do I do more of the borrowing momentum and less of the building? You know, um, Jonathan, can I speak to this for a moment? Please. You know, one, I'm trying to start doing both. First, people came to us and they had a need and we filled the need. But what I'm trying to do with my website is I have faculty coming to me with an opportunity. Like, I know how to teach this. Yep. And I have time to teach this. So I am doing both because um, the faculty are saying, I, I have an expertise. I know how to reach the client. So I'm putting them on the website. And then when clients come to us, then we find faculty for them. So I'm trying to do both. I've been doing the, the other, but now I'm starting to add this new piece with faculty coming to me to our website. This is great because you're borrowing the momentum of those faculty who are already going in the direction that you want to go. Then you're right. aligning what they can do for you with clients that also want to go in that direction. Right. But that's a new piece. I just haven't even, our website isn't even live yet, but that. The only caution I would give, and it's a caution might not even be the right word. You want to really have a deep conversation with the faculty. If you're bringing faculty on to talk about what does it look like to deliver in a client environment and use client type words and not academic mm -hmm. language, unless you're delivering an academic course because we there is the possibility of contract debt for credit, but you really want to dial in on what are those differences? What are the language differences? What is the approach difference? So that they're on the same page um, and you have a happy client. Good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would echo that because some companies they they actually are turned off if it sounds too academic. It's like it sounds like a lecture and it doesn't sound interactive enough. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful with the, even the bios. If they have all these PhDs, it's like, hey, we make widgets, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Anyone else want to come off mute and share? Or Karen, you can say more too. Well, I, I was just going to try to, I don't want to dominate too much, but I wanted to say the kind of faculty that are coming to me would be ESL faculty, because there are so many accident reduction needs. There's um, at, at a high level accident reduction needs at a, uh, or, or language because they have been brought in to do certain work from another country, all the way down to the factory floor could use 
uh, embedded vocational into that industry. So that's one faculty. The other faculty is all safety related, like OSHA and Hazwopper. And so, the, you know, the, there isn't that issue that you're describing, but I did note that because there could be more faculty in the future. Both of those things that you shared, safety and ESL, you could build entire clusters of value stacks around them that could take one thing, expand it this way to add more to it and go this way with a range of services that you could provide to them. And right there, you could be like, wow, there's overlap with all these things, there's synergy. So I'm not doing 10 diff completely different things. So this is that idea you're, you've just captured of how do you take advantage of going a lot deeper on particular things with plants? All right, let's take one more and then we're gonna keep it moving. Uh, who would like to? And I would like to just, I would like to reiterate what, what Jana said, maximize networking, C and be seen, categorize leads, A, B, C, or D. How much time, how much effort are we spending on each lead? Follow up, follow up, follow up, not just for a meeting request, build the relationship, build on, based on their interests, whether related to contract ed's purpose or not. I love that because they might come to us and say, I need to hire somebody. We put them in touch with the career center, but then we follow up. Did you hire somebody? Are you having talent leave? Uh, this is what we can do to help you with retention. You know, so use those nuggets. I call them, those are, those are gifts. You know, that's free. <laughs> that's a free lead. Yeah, and also too, this is Janice, if I may add, when I have a client bring up something about, you know, I've, I'm not sure about online learning or mm. anything that's related to what we do, um, to find a, a link out there on the web about a, a Harvard Business Review article, or you see a tweet, or even if if one of us here, like if, if I've read a book that really struck me, you spoke earlier about guerrilla marketing, you know, mm. let, hey, Hey, uh, Jonathan, just reaching out to say hello. Hope you're having a great day. I just finished this book and it meets that five-star review. Thought of you in our previous mm -hmm. discussion. Perhaps you'd like to follow up. You know, Janice, we Fabulous. should work together. I love your, <laughs> I could just tell right off the bat, you're great with your clients. Um, and actually this relates perhaps to the next area we're going to look at that Janice might be really dialed in on. But re really what she's doing fundamentally is she's looking at her clients as people, not as objects, not as a thing to be one, but as people to be influenced and supported, right? And that mindset right there is gonna drive every all of her success. And, you know, sometimes too, in addition to doing that, we can redefine their entire worldview around learning. So many of you may know like the 70, 20, 10 model, and there's different versions of it. The idea is, 100% of learning doesn't all happen in the same way. About 10% or so actually happens in a formal learning environment. And that's the 10% that people are like, oh, I don't know if that works. And about 20% happens through social relationships. The people at work, their, their peers, their supervisors, their direct reports, the coaches that they work with, all those things, the mentors. And then 70% happens on the job. So learning is happening right now. If we're working in a hybrid environment, some percentage of learning is happening online already. But the idea is, how do we capture what they need to learn and spread it across those three areas so you really embed it for the organization? And sometimes that shift in a client's understanding of how and where learning actually needs to take place gives you more room to talk about how you can help them. Um, 
All right. So this is so much fun. Jonathan, to, I just want to. Yeah. I just wanted to address another question. Uh, some uh, Alistar is curious about uh, digital badging, and uh, I I have experience with this through Canvas because I'm, I'm an online instructor. And you have to make sure that those badges don't go away. Where are they stored? How are they given? Do people care? I see a lot of people on LinkedIn completing classes and say, oh, I have a certificate now in this. I see it more on LinkedIn. I don't see people talking about the badging or really care about it. Like, what am I going to do with this badge? So unless it's it's linked to their performance management, like they have to take so many classes or so many hours of training or maybe ETP hours or whatever, I'm not sure, again, this is my personal opinion, that badging is for everyone, but I would definitely check with the company to see if that's something that their culture would support. So I think it would be culture by culture. A lot of, for example, manufacturing companies I work with, I'm not sure they would be so keen on getting a badge. They would like a $5 Starbucks certificate certificate, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the re request for that has been driven more from the trainees as far as um, a portable c credential rather than the employers. A, a lot of our training is, is funded by ETP. So it's that request hasn't necessarily been, hasn't been driven by the employers, but some of the train employees that they send to training who, who want something that'll follow them more throughout their career. That's, so so what, what I do, what I do, especially for sexual harassment training is that it just use a word template and then they'll merge and they give you the list, put it in Excel, boom, you got it, shoot it out in a PDF to them. It's like five seconds and it doesn't cost you anything. That's my yeah. opinion. No, it, okay. thank you. We, we do that. And that's, yeah, that's why I still, still in a way and decide phase on it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Go back to the earlier slide, Alistair, of, you know, what are the broad patterns amongst existing clients? And if you detect enough of a signal to pilot something like that, then, you know, you test, you could test the waters. It's really like, what's your criteria for the signal being strong enough to pilot something like that? Yeah. And can you add that extra administrative cost to your fees so that you are pricing correctly? Because every time you add something, you're adding more work and who is getting paid for that, you know? I think in this day and age, we have to be very cognizant of how much extra work we ask people to do. All right, so um, let's go ahead and talk about this next critical question that's part of your playbook, which is how will we succeed? And you know, people use different language for this. Some call it strategic anchors, but there's a great book out there called The Discipline of Market Leaders. Um, I think it's uh, Michael Tracy and uh, Fred, uh, where's Samo maybe? I may be getting the, the pronunciation wrong there. But basically, they describe the importance of being really clear about your strategic priority so that you can make decisions based on that strategic priority and the unique value that you bring to the marketplace and your, and your clients. And so the three that they describe are, you know, this product leadership, the customer intimacy, and the operational efficiency. And Immediately when we talk about this with clients, they're like, well, of course, we, we got to do all three. And yes, that's true. However, very successful organizations pick one of these as their fundamental decision maker. And everything else, they will make sacrifices in the other two areas in order to stay in alignment with their fundamental one. So 
a couple examples here could help. So product leadership, Apple. Apple is one of the world's product leaders and they've designed everything that they do. Their criteria decision is really, we wanna be best in class at what we're providing. So we may sometimes, we wanna get operational efficiency to drive up our margins, but product leadership and having the very best thing in the market is number one. We wanna have customer intimacy and we're gonna have genius bars and all these things, but being the product leader is gonna drive everything that we do strategically. In terms of operational efficiency, Southwest is an incredible example. They have customer intimacy, they're really fun. Um, they have some level of product leadership because they've become a leader, but really operational efficiency is what made them successful and why they remain successful and continue to expand and grow. And so they've picked that one and said, this is what we're gonna hang our hat on and this is gonna drive everything that we do. And you can think about in terms of customer intimacy, two examples, Nordstrom, is incredible with customer intimacy and being able to really understand their clients and serve them and provide all the services that you know really make people feel special in their stores and they may not be the product leader they may for their marketplace they may not have the most operational efficiency although they're working on those but really it's like knowing and valuing their customers and making the customer feel that drives them you could also think about a local coffee shop right they're not Starbucks, they're not maybe the best in class or have the most efficiency, but they know your name and you might go there just for that reason, right? So as you think about these, go ahead and put in the chat, which of these three best connects to your values and the business model that you already have or want to develop? And of course, you're going to do all three. So you can't cop out and say that. You have to pick one that you want to that you want to drive your business. And Rayan, if you don't mind reading out what you're seeing there. Yeah, I just put my first, you know, I have a lot of private clients and I think Kathy and I are uh, first to to write down customer in, in, intimacy we're the first oh, everyone so far is customer intimacy. Really knowing what your customers need. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's almost like the five love languages. We know the love language of our clients and we know how to connect with them. Absolutely. And I love what somebody said before, just reaching out. I think it was Janice, just sending them an article. Hey, uh, you're talking to me about your, your customer, your best workers are getting poached by big tech companies. Here's an article I found on the great resignation and why it's happening. It has some great information. Just sending that out. Wow, so far, everybody has written customer intimacy. Hmm, interesting. Anyone else? Now everyone's yeah. afraid to write anything else. Groupthink, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have one client that's chosen product leadership. They actually have pretty strong customer intimacy. I would say their operational efficiency, it's fine. But boy, are they a product leader. And they, they truly make decisions. You'll know if this is real for you if you actually will sacrifice other things in order to reinforce customer intimacy. If you've truly chosen that, then you will make strategic and sometimes hard decisions based on that. So that's Absolutely. how, that's the real test of it. So Alistair said, even though the, his 
current strength is customer intimacy product leadership, but I see a need to focus on operational efficiency. Don't we all? All right. Yeah. So the idea here is what will be your strategic anchor that will drive your Mm -hmm. decision making? Of course, all three of these are very important and will drive some level, but there needs to be a tiebreaker sometimes. So if you have to make a hard decision, you want to take these three things into account, but which one is going to break the tie? So we won't go deep. Again, we're kind of speedboat over. The next activity, though, we think will connect well with this and take it in a, a deeper level. And we're going to drop anchor in the next activity a little bit, which is to talk about what is your flywheel? What is your flywheel for success? And we're going to, I'm going to explain that in a minute. But keep this in mind, because after you develop a flywheel, then you can think about how that connects with which of these three um, is going to be your strategic decision maker, your tiebreaker for how you show up with your clients. All right. So the flywheel, right? So there's a a great um, video here by Jim Collins that I'm not going to show you because I thought it'd be, uh, I I talked about this with Rand. It's going to be easier and faster to explain this to you. So if you ever read the book, Good to Great, he has a, a bunch of fantastic concepts in there. One of them that landed really well with me years ago uh, is the flywheel concept. And Rand and I actually used it in some training that we, we did at Google a while back. And um, it, I've used it with a bunch of clients very successfully. I've used it with my own business. So the flywheel is basically, you start with this idea of, there's, you know, on the physical level, there's a this big, heavy disc that if you were to push it to get it to turn, it's going to take a lot of effort in the beginning. And you just have to keep giving it pushes. And you give more pushes and more pushes and more pushes. And eventually, it builds up this speed, this inertia that it keeps going and going. And once it gets enough pushes and you just keep turning that flywheel, you get this incredible, unstoppable momentum. Here's how it connects to business strategy. So many organizations, and this is what Jim Collins argued in his book, they think they know why they're successful until they they jump into a new area and they may stumble and they're like, wait, but it worked over here. Why didn't it work over here? What he argued is that companies really need to understand fundamentally what are their drivers of success, those elements of success that truly drive their success and to what order do those things need to go in to all act as pushes on the flywheel in the right direction where you can build incredible momentum. And then how do you look at each of those elements and say, how do we knock it out of the park with each one of these? So we get a 10 out of 10 on it, because if if five of the pushes are good, but one is really weak, it's gonna slow everything down. You want all of those drivers of success for, for why you're successful to be give as much momentum as possible. And over time, once that flywheel turns for your strategy, for your, your business, your, your CE unit, you will, it will just generate its own momentum that others will actually want to borrow from you. Uh, so that's the flywheel concept. And we're going to give you a few examples here. Um, and we, we can send you this link later. You can look it up. There's a ton of videos by him, but I'm going to skip by Jim Collins here. So after the dot-com bust, he actually worked with Amazon. And at that time, Amazon you know, was 
rethinking its strategy. And they actually took the flywheel concept to heart and look at them today, right? They basically said, we're all about growth. And our flywheel starts with what is the selection that we're offering to our customers? And then what does that customer experience look like? And how will that drive the traffic, right? So if we have a great selection, we have a strong customer experience, we're going to drive a lot more traffic. And in turn, more sellers are going to want to be in our platform because more customers will be satisfied there, which will increase our selection, which will increase and improve the customer experience. And then along the side of that, as we get more sellers, we're actually going to lower our cost structure, which enables us to lower our prices, which is going to make our customers happy and drive more traffic. This is their flywheel. And it's been wildly, wildly successful. But it's not limited to companies like Amazon. So any organization can adopt and create a flywheel. Uh, so years ago, I did this for my own prior CE unit. And I've since kind of modified it, but this is what I came up with at the time. And I said, and I would actually use this to make decisions. And for me, my flywheel started with who are the strong partners? That could be an individual or an organization that's gonna drive the next couple of things for me. So it's gonna drive my success and help me make better strategic decisions. Well, it turns out Rayanne, who's on this call with us, was the very first contract ed trainer that I started working with. And she was my strong partner. And she connected me with others and helped, helped me develop and we partnered. And together we clarified the market need. And that's what strong partners help you do. And also some strong partners helped us gain market access to those willing and able to pay. And not every strong partner can do that, but this is what I learned through my experiences. And then we would drive, we would create exceptional experiences for customers, which would enable them and, and you know, kind of help them desire to ask for more. And we would be thinking about how else can we serve them? And we would do this value stacking and add more value to them. And then that would help us main this sustainable growth. And we would get momentum from that. And other partners would be introduced to us, referred to us. We would see them because we were doing all these things. And so the idea is here, this was part of my flywheel. And I would say, what's a 10 out of 10 on each of these? What does that look like? And I had written out my criteria for that. So this is a bit uh, dated, but it lasted for quite a while for me. And I just modified it and modified it over time. And so also we think about, um, you know, some more examples in his, he actually wrote a book called uh, it, it, The Flywheel. It's a monograph. It's just a very thin uh, book just on the flywheel itself. And in that book, he gives an example from this elementary school. I think it was in Kansas. It was an underperforming, failing school. A new principal came in. And within a couple of years, she completely turned it around because she created a flywheel. She read that book and she's actually profiled in the book. Or she, she read the concept from good to great. She employed it and she said, okay, what's our flywheel? We're gonna start. We need to select teachers who have passion for our students who haven't already given up on them. Then we need to build these collaborative improvement teams so the teachers can learn from each other and troubleshoot quit things right away and be very nimble. And we're gonna assess early and often. And we're gonna make sure that we don't leave any student behind. We're gonna achieve learning for each and every student. We're not gonna let anyone fall into the radar. And that's gonna enhance our reputation as a great place to teach. 
which in turn is going to increase our pipeline of these passionate teachers. And that was their flywheel. And they're still going to this day. That, that principle since moved on. But I was just reading an article the other day about the lasting impact of that and how it transformed their school, their standings in the state. So there's so many different flywheels. So the idea here is, Jim Collins says, there has to be this compelling logic of momentum to your flywheel that there, it's almost inevitable that you're going to succeed if you have the right elements to drive your success. If you do that first one, that's A, you can, almost can't help but do the next one and then the next one and the next one. And so you get this logical sequence of four to six things that really will drive your success. And so what we want to do in our time now is there's there won't be enough time to fully do this because you're going to have to do it much of it on your own. We want to get you started with this process because we think it's so powerful. So um, this next slide here is, oops, let me go back, is an activity that we're going to do. We're going to give you uh, 20 minutes to start creating your own flywheel. And here's what it looks like. What is so you start by identifying some success stories. And if you don't have a unit up and running yet, you can think about some other work that you've done. And you look for in those success stories, you just jot down the story and you say, you, you jot down like four or five stories and you say, what's the common thread here? And you're looking for keywords or phrases. And once you've done that, it, it takes a minute to get started, but then you're like, oh, okay. In all of these cases, here is a common thread and here's a common thread. And then you say, okay, now let's identify three or four failure stories. And you say, if we had had those elements in place, would it have been a failure story? So you're kind of cross-validating. And then what you do is you arrange those elements in the right order for you. So in my case, the example there is, for me, I was like, it all starts with strong partner. And for me, that worked really well. And I worked on the order of this over time. And so you want to identify what's the right order where one leads to the next to the next. And then you want to go ahead and test your flywheel against other areas where you've been successful in your unit and other failures and keep validating it and refining it. And then ultimately what you want to do is identify for each of those elements that you land on, what would a 10 out of 10 look like for that to knock that out of the park, right? So in the 20 minutes, um, you're just going to have a chance to really get started with this. But we'd like to, um, we're not going to put you in a breakout, but what we'd like you to do is actually um, take these 20 minutes, put your, turn your camera off, go off mute. I'm going to pause the recording and give you a chance to really reflect and think about this. And I'm going to keep this slide up so that you have a chance to, to look at this as an example. Any questions before we dive into the activity? Any questions? Jonathan, there was a question about the name of the second book. So the first book is Good to Great. Was the second book, do you have the title to that or you want to share yeah, that maybe I'll later? I'll drop it in the chat. But basically, if you just okay. Google like the flywheel monograph by Jim Collins, it'll come up. It has a red cover to it. Be careful because he's got two books with a red cover. One is for nonprofit professionals and one is for the flywheel. It'll take you like an hour and a half to read if at most, and it's really powerful. 
All right, let's go ahead and let's take 20 minutes from right now. So it's 1028, so 1048, we're gonna come back and share what you came up with. So go ahead and go on mute. All right, welcome back everyone. Uh, let me go ahead and stop the share. This is our, our chance to hear from you what you came up with. And it looks like there's still a few more folks who are off camera, probably finishing up uh, however far they were able to get with their flywheel. But what did you come up with? We'd love to hear this. How far did you get? What'd you come up with? Who will go first? Uh, Karen. Well, I found that the people who needed us needed us. I mean, there weren't a lot of al alternatives and that and then the people who didn't need us who or who the project failed, they they kind of I hate to say this, but misled us. They the funding formula wasn't matching with what um, the work was and the accountability was too arduous. There wasn't enough funding to do the accountability piece of it. So it, you know, it really was the client what they brought to us, not anything we brought. And then we found what they needed to to execute. Okay, so what were the, were a couple elements of the flywheel that you started to identify? Um, well, the first part is um, well, actually, the first part was a client, right? Um, uh, you know, I guess the first part was. Um, identify a strong partner. So, okay. I mean, that's where we started. We knew that they had the funding in place. We knew that they were strong. We knew they'd always be there. And we knew we could, um, we could, uh, I guess you could say the next part is gain market access. But um, so, but identify a strong partners was, I think, our, our starting point. And, and then, or also maintain sustainable growth. I, that kind of fits in a little, but no, I think it's the top one. Yeah, and those examples from my old flywheel, those are just examples. If you want to borrow some, great. If you want to make up your own, it's really like what fits your, your business. Right. One thing I heard from you that sounds like it might be part of your flywheel is clarify the client needs. Like mm -hmm. that sounds like a real critical success factor for you that you've identified. And if you skip that step, so here's the other part. If you skip a step or don't do a 10 out of 10 on the step, then it slows your momentum and it impacts all the other elements of the flywheel. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, who else would like to share a little bit what you came up with? I just wanted to pipe in on what Karen said, though, too, on that strong partner, because she had criteria. You know, do they have the funding or do they do are they? positioned for growth? Are they in an area that we could support? For example, we at one of the contract ed offices I worked at, they came in for solar training and we didn't have any programs. We didn't have any technicians and they were willing to do a hundred thousand dollars worth of training, but we, we didn't, we didn't have the ability to do it. So identifying are these, are these partners, uh, are we going to be able to work with them? So I really like the way you add, Jonathan has the 10 out of 10. What are your criteria? I like that. 
So others, yeah, yeah. Who else would like to go? We know you probably just got started with it because it takes time to do, but what do you have to share? This is Janice, I'll be brave. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, we're in a safe learning environment. That's what we tell our learners, right? That's what we That's are right. here. So um, I kind of followed your slide, um, Jonathan, and I also recalled about the discipline of market leaders. And first of all, this exercise made me really think. So I've only been here for just over a year, a year and a month to be exact, or two months. Mm. And um, this department was, I was brought in to revive the department. Okay. So I took from your flywheel the, in the middle, create impact. And I added the words in that circle internally and externally. Because there's many of my colleagues, they didn't know what contract is, contract ed is. They, we were just totally off their radar screen. And to me, they're an ambassador for contract ed. So if I can make them aware of the impact contract ed can have on a community, I think that's, that's the, the focus. Uh, uh, north of that circle, I wrote operation efficiencies because in my success stories, I've introduced uh, new technologies here. We have a new registration system. We are currently, uh, just today, we had our first solid training session on a CRM that is the first ever mm. in this college. And then, so to me, it was operational efficiencies have to, has to be first and it's still evolving. So that's why I'm keeping it on my flywheel. And if I have operational efficiencies, that also includes marketing materials like my fancy schmancy one pager on contract education, that allows me to network, that allows me to get out of town, get out of the office. I've got 1,700 square miles to cover and foster. And then um, the third, the next uh, arrow goes to identify and qualify partners because I've been able to get uh, some really good connections that I made through networking by being out of the office. That leads me to uh, funding sources. And that's where we overcame some price objectives creatively and where we revisited the grants. Because even though I got a $180,000 grant for this particular customer and open to others, some of the grants are very constrained that they don't offer sub financial support if you're going to deliver a program online or as a hybrid. And that's the new world we live in. And then I move to the uh, last arrow, which is um, out of a success story. Uh, we had 38 uh, people who signed up for this contracted program through the Temecula Valley Wine Growers Association. And we just uh, graduated through the two cohorts. We've got a total of nine cohorts, uh, 23 people mm. um, who completed the program. So I'm able to measure results, measurable results through program completion and student evalu participant evaluations. And um, I now have a testimonial or testimonials that will feed into now things I can talk about when I network, when I make connections, when we talk source funding. So it goes full circle. 
Gosh, I, I, I have a lot of uh, questions there. Uh, real quick, and I know Jonathan's going to stop me, but I would love for you to share the CRM that you're using and if, you know, if it's working, if you like it, I would love for you to share that flyer. And the other question I would have is, are you, uh, are you getting newspaper? Are you getting like press releases on your graduation and photo ops and local, uh, you know, papers or in the wine country, you know, sending it out as a menu. My, my son used to work in culinary and um, he once got a job by sending a bottle of wine with a chef's jacket and his resume on the bottle to the, ch- the head chef. So I just like just finding <laughs> different ways to uh, get, you know, network and, and get ideas out there. So anyway, as you were talking, I had a lot of questions. I know we're not here for all of that, but if you can dump any of that info in the chat to share, especially your one page flyer, I think a lot of people would love to see it. Yeah, I think the chat would be a good place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do that. And, and this, this activity is a great starting point today. Go back and find the people that you call your team. Even if it's one other person, refine these stories, spend the time on this because this will really drive a lot of success. Um, Let's have one more person share. Even if you only just came up with the stories, just share a little bit. Uh, Margaret, you want to say something? I just want to say, I just put the contracted needs assessment toolkit. It's, I think it's very valuable for those of you who don't have it. I just dropped it into the chat. Thank you, Margaret. And I'm seeing the message chat disabled. So I can't add anything in there. I don't know why it would be disabled. Um, Uh, I'm seeing the chat, so I don't don't know. That might just be on your end. Okay. I I see that too. Okay. You see that too? Janice, we promise we're not blocking you on purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So just let's take two or three minutes, if one person could just, one more person could share for two or three minutes what you came up with, we'd love to hear it. I, um, just speaking from uh, Butte College here, I, 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 I found it interesting when compared the successes to failures, and um, it was actually some of the same case studies. Um, the, uh, it part, partly because um, you get very invested in a in providing a providing a clear path, but it's that's it, that success then becomes very dependent upon a, on an initial anchor client who created the momentum. Um, it, so it's, I don't don't want to say a necessary evil, but you need you 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 really need that anchor anchor client, and then the the ones that kind of were more successful than failure were the ones where there was enough common interest or demand that we were able to scale, scale it out so that other employers in our, in our community were able to benefit rather than just the initial um, driving client. Okay, so I am definitely hearing the bones of a flywheel forming there. And the whole idea is that the speed and momentum, as you further refine that flywheel, it allows you to not do certain activities that are gonna be a waste of your time or not as productive and speed up the things that really have driven your success in the past and spend more focus on those. It'll tell you what to say yes to, what to say no to, and what to say, tell me more, right? Before we move forward, because this is what drives our success. Then you 
you take that across your entire team. And I know you have a fairly large team there in total. And you say, how does this interact with other parts of what we're doing, right? What do we need to do to get this momentum increasing even further? What does a 10 out of 10 look like? So thank you. Um, thank you both for sharing. That's really wonderful. And we hope this is for all of you a good starting point just to start to think about this process. Highly recommend that you read all the examples in that book. Again, it's a super quick read. You could probably buy it on Audible as well. Um, let's go ahead uh, for the sake of time and, and move ahead to our, our next piece that we wanna cover, which is making connections. Uh, Rayan? So this was a topic uh, many of you asked, how do we get by the gatekeepers? Uh, definitely HR is often a gatekeeper. They won't give you a direct number. But I always say talk to everyone you can in the organization because you can get in through the back door. Uh, for example, I worked at a company a long time ago and there were three HR people. They have since left that company and moved on and become managers elsewhere. Keeping in touch with them now has enabled me to get in the door of the new companies that they are at. So also do your homework. Who is the real decision maker in a company? I love to talk to as many people as I can. I'll give you a quick example. I was doing a leadership program at a, at a company and I was talking to the marketing person and he said, you know what? The people who, who make our products don't understand supply chain. They don't understand that when they waste a, a, a piece of steel, how long it takes us to get another piece to replace it. So I said to him, you know, it would be really cool to do a quick supply chain class. I don't know anything about it. He said, oh, I'll do it with you. I don't know anything about training. He said, if you could put something together with questions and I can deliver it. We delivered it together and it was so wonderful. It was, we call it a learning experience because this, the participants got to follow the supply chain. So talking to everyone in the organization, not just the decision maker, he was the one who drove that. It was not something HR knew that they needed or even the marketing department. So get connected through other departments. If you see or hear a need, talk to participants, have instructors, you know, ask participants on your evaluation form. Do you say what other courses would you like to see? What was missing from this course? Would you like a follow-up? Uh, I like to do whiteboarding and I always take pictures of the whiteboard and there's usually a to-do or an action item. And I say, uh, your department showed that they could be better at sharing documents. Let's do a one-hour training on how to share on the network and what types of things to share and how to organize. Name drop. When you're going in, you can say, so-and-so told me I should talk to you about what we're doing at XYZ. Don't say I'm selling training, but tell her we're doing this at a company. She thought your company might be interested in something similar. Uh, Ask for referrals. Almost every HR person I've worked with knows another HR person. You know, they either have worked with them in another company. I always ask them that. Who took your job? Can you introduce me? I was doing a, a for a very large restaurant firm. I worked with this woman for years, and she was just recently retired. And that was the first thing I said, well, I would love you to put me in touch with the person who's taking your place. And she said, no problem. I'd love to, I'll make the intro for you. Soft intro. Uh, uh, you Rianne, can introduce yourself just, on, okay. Oh, let me just add one quick thing. So, sure. you know, in this process too, sometimes we don't set ourselves up well with clients in the sense that we just, we promise them we're going to deliver a great training. 
But what we should really be doing in additionally is setting them up with the expectation that our engagement with you encompasses three parts, the pre, the during, and the post. And in that post, in the pre, we're going to really dig into and clarify your needs and how we can serve you. And there might be a series of conversations. The during is actually the delivery, right? The post is you just tell them up front, hey, we're going to, um, part of my engagement with you is uh, I'd love to do a debrief. And what are some lessons learned and how will you implement this going forward? And in that conversation, you can share things that you noticed or observed. You could ask for referral or testimonial, whatever the case is that's appropriate for that situation. But you're setting the expectation of follow-up as opposed to trying to beg for it or request it after the fact. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that we have used Google Forms very well on the pre-work and even on the post-work. Uh, getting people in, in, involved or what would be the next step? What would be the most beneficial to you after this training? Those types of things. So I like what Jonathan said is we're full service. We're not going to dump the training and leave. Uh, my mom used to say I was the most persistent person on earth. You know, I would not give up <laughs> when I was a kid. They would laugh at me because I keep trying to do something. So yes, uh, there's a lot to be said about grit and persistence when I was at the university, they told me, oh, we've never worked with, I'll, I'll just give the example because it was true. We've never worked with the Port of Oakland. They have so many needs down there, but no one's been able to get in. I'm like, that's a challenge. And so every week, long story short, we wound up doing a ton of, we did mostly consulting, one-on-one -on -one consulting with the new managers. We didn't deliver training. We asked what they need. So be persistent, keep calling, keep, keep saying, hey, we're here for you, giving them options. Nowadays, with COVID over, it's really fun if we can meet with them one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. If possible, I like to always deliver the flower, flyer or deliver the list of, of, of training or deliver a success story or even just say, I just want a five-minute intro with you, five minutes. Um, handwritten note that you can leave with the receptionist. And don't forget the receptionist is often you're in. They'll say, oh, she's busy. And then they might say, or he, he might say, Hey, you know, he's open. He usually goes to lunch at 12. You don't want to be stalking people, but you can, you might be able to see them outside. And, uh, I already, already said that the, the gorilla marketing said outside, outside hours. I also use my, uh, Google, uh, email or outlook schedule send to send emails at odd times too, so that people are not getting bombarded during the day. They get the first thing they see at 7 a.m. that comes into their email box or that 5.30 p.m. when most people have stopped emailing. So you can use your Google Send as well. Other ideas, other ideas about how do you get through the gatekeepers? Remember, HR, a lot of times they are very um, detail-oriented gatekeepers. They've got so much on their plates and training is an expense. They need to justify that budget to their boss. And how will they be able to do that? Sometimes we have to help them to make the case that this money has to be spent. And research does show that for every dollar spent, there's usually a minimum of $5 in return. I don't know if data works for you, humor works for you, whatever works for you to get them to Yeah, let me add commit. one thing before we move to the next um, slide is mm -hmm. you can't always get in to one particular company, but you, those people are going somewhere. So go to where they're going, uh, they're gathering. So Rand uh, earlier mentioned an HR conference. So you might not be able to get into the buildings, but they're all going to this one place where you can go and have conversations. And 
there's chambers, there's all kinds of associations that the professionals that we're trying to serve are part of. Think about for your local context, where are people already naturally going, whether it's online or in person? And how do I go to those places to make those connections? Um, Rayanne, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about improving programs and services? So this is, I'm not going to read your slides, but I, I think Morgan already put a needs assessment. Really do a deep dive into what they need. Ask probing questions. What's your, what's your most urgent need right now? And what I'm hearing from my customers is talent. You know, we, we, we get the talent. They don't stay. What is this, uh, you know, the great resignation is happening or people are coming in without the skills. You mentioned ESL. I've actually done a couple of VESL programs. Like what is the minimum the people who are making widgets need to understand to do a great job? How can we keep people? How can we promote them? How can we make sure they're ready? Ask those questions. And then be very clear about what you are and are not going to do. I have been down the route where it's like, oh, I didn't know I agreed to that. I didn't know this was going to be an all-day affair where I stayed for lunch. And then, you know, like, what what did they arrange for you? So so be very clear about your deliverables, um, especially nowadays with, with copies and Internet and, and Post-it boards and one of my clients said, oh, the last trainers had beautiful big posters for the wall that they had made. It's like, okay, well, I, I didn't know that's, how, that's what you were expecting. So be very clear about that. Always exceed customer expectations. Give them more than they expect it in, in, in ways that don't have to be tangible or costly. I, I would um, just say and, on that and, one real quick, um, how do you know what their expectations are? You know, always, so one of the things that Rand and I always do is just ask like, what's one, what's the most important thing that will look different as a result of this, right? So really getting them to clarify for you what the difference mm -hmm. will look like will help you meet and exceed their expectations. And make sure you're collecting those success stories. What happened after? Somebody will tell me, for example, I do a lot of business writing, and somebody will tell me, my boss has said my writing has improved so much. I'm getting fewer questions from clients back and forth. It's reduced the amount of email. That's a good selling point versus just people need better emailing skills. And as, as I think Janice was talking about automation, do you have a CRM? Are you using the Google tools? Google even has free, you know, websites now. Maybe you can do a, a, a website for a specific topic or, you know, some, some online uh, activity that people could use. There's so many fun things. Even in my training now, I'm using things like Jeopardy, Kahoot, Menti, different ways to make it a learning experience. Remember, people want experiences. They don't want just information thrown at them. All right. Anything else anyone wants to add? All right. This is just a kind of a, a, a list. Again, take what you need from this. Do you have a, a contract template that you can use and just plug it in, plug in the the language so you're not recreating every time sitting down going, oh my gosh, I have to write a big old contract. Do you have a database? Do you know when the last contract you did with this person was, the last phone call you had, what programs they had, what was the, what was the evaluation uh, comments on the last uh, client? So I know that uh, Janice is using a CRM, great place for that. We had a whole uh, workshop on reusable programs. 
we're not just taking off the shelf programs, but we want to customize them. We want to make them individual for a company. How are we doing that? Well, we have the basic shell. Now, what could we finesse? What pizzazz can we add? Use your Google Forms, use your templates. Be able to justify cost. Instead of giving my, co- my clients a flat rate, I will break it down. I'll say, prepare a pre-work survey, uh, analyze a survey, incorporate survey data into the content. I don't make a huge laundry list, but I let them know that there's a lot of steps. I'm not just taking 10 minutes to create a survey. It's going to take me a couple of hours, and I usually put the hours down so they get a kind of a gist for that. And what I do is uh, you I'll guys- give the price, and I'll say inclusive of, and then I'll list the mm. major activities because often they're yeah. focused on the just the deliverable and not all the pieces that go into it. One other piece to to raise that Rain and I have talked about quite a bit, and some of you may already be doing this, is clients often often focus on the cost of the service you're providing, but there's really the cost of, there's two costs here. There's the cost of doing something about it and the cost of not doing something about it because they're coming to you or you're, you're, they're having the conversation for a reason. And either there's something that they're not being able to do that's, they're missing out. It's an opportunity cost or there's an actual pain point that's costing them a lot of time and money and ha- have a conversation around this. What is this costing you in time, energy, money before you share your pricing with them? So you have the right context because that reframes everything. And sometimes the person you're talking to is not the final decision maker. So equipping them to, to go back to their senior leader or decision maker and say, you know what, this is their price, but actually like, this is what this problem is costing us. So it, you know, if, if we don't pay this price now, we're going to continue to pay this much higher cost for not uh, taking action on this. So my favorite phrase to use is employees are either growing or they're going. And if we are not growing them, they're going to find another place to go where they can grow. Let's give them data of the cost of, re, of, of hiring a new person and Six months, it generally takes for any new hire to get up to the speed of the last hire in general. What is that cost? So you can do some fun things to just let the, to spark their memory and help them to solve, uh, to, to, sell it, to sell it up to their boss. This is Janice. I'm right, just going to so, interrupt to, to say, yeah, if you have a cool. chance to click on our contract ed flyer, on the back, I gave the costs for folks, and um, it's here in the in in the footprint of MSJC, and we have a lot of data to back it. It was sixteen thousand five hundred dollars to replacement cost to recruit and retrain an employee, and forty seven point two percent is the annual total separation rate among the employers in our region. And then 70% percentage of respondents who indicated that job-related training and development opportunities influenced their decision to stay at their job. So I just want to put this out there because we use data that we collect here, and we also use data Mm -hmm. available through the Riverside County Workforce Development Office. So you may have some unique dollar and data points to share with your um, clients uh, specific to your area and as a resource those were my two resources. I love hard costs, but I also I also love soft costs costs too because it's the morale of the organization. Because when once somebody goes, people go, oh wait a minute, there you know the grass is greener. Maybe I should I should go too. And uh, just 
the, the impact it has on the organization, the emotion, the culture, as well as the hard cost. So that's another selling yeah. point. Janice, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and we're going to go through the next couple of slides quickly. So we have time to talk about some priority areas. And then hopefully we'll have a, a few minutes for some Q&A. We have 15 minutes left in our time. So um, if you have questions now, we'll hold them to the end just so we can cover everything. So Rayanne, why don't you uh, quickly talk about? I'm going to go. I'm going to go really, really quickly on 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 uncovering needs. Just I want to give a, a a fast example of I was referred to a financial consultant, a person who has many many clients in the Bay Area, and he came to me and he said my my client's getting sued for uh, wage and hour uh, violation. Well, being an HR person, can you do something? Can you do the training to meet the part of the the requirement that 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 they have in, in their in their based on their fines. Anyway, long story short is that I did the I did the training. They loved it, and now he has referred me in the last three years. He has referred me to at least ten other clients. I didn't have to go after them. So what was a need? Uh, he's a financial manager. He's seeing a need for compliance, wage and hour laws, uh, sexual harassment violations, all the all the different things that that companies are getting sued for. So how do we go? We uncover the needs, go to the people who know what's going on, uh, talk to them, information sharing, networking, try to find these new clients. One other client that I, I've had very much success for is an insurance company. Same thing. Insurance company wants to make sure their clients are not getting sued. I have been worked a great deal in the wonderful state of Texas. I have stories, but that's for my book, but, um, I have people come with guns to the training, but that's another story. Uh, so I've done a lot of training in Texas for uh, several companies who have been sued multiple times and their insurance company is making me go that making me asking me to go there uh, to do this training. That insurance company again has referred me to numerous clients. So what's a need? It's a need for people not to get sued. It's a need for people to keep growing, find that, find that need. And then figure out what other clients have similar needs. All right, going to move on. So the programs that you do deliver, make sure they're relevant. Remember learning experiences today. People don't want to sit. They want to do. Make sure that you can reuse them. Make sure that you can add enough customization so that people feel that they're unique, novel, Vet your trainers. I have stories. Again, this is for my book, but I've had trainers show up drunk. I've had trainers who just didn't do anything, weren't prepared for class. I mean, you name it. And I've had great trainers, too. So when I was hiring trainers through Contract Ed, I would always have them do a demo for me, help show me the slide. I know I was probably a little too uh, detail-oriented, but I wanted to make sure we were providing the best product. It just hire somebody based on even a referral. Make sure that you can do your classes in multiple modalities. Now we have HyFlex, face-to-face and online. I don't know if any of you are familiar with HyFlex, and that means somebody's online, somebody's in class, and the, and the session is recorded. So very interesting. Uh, is yeah. it based on skills that they can go and use? Okay, I'm going to let Jonathan go in. Who was, who was adding? No, I, I just think Somebody you know, was talking one summary of part of this is really the value stack idea we've been talking about before. How do we how do we reuse but customize every time things that we've done successfully? You know, think about that grid that we looked at earlier. One client we have 
a range of clients we already have, and then one client we want to have and a range of clients we want to serve, what can we value stack to make sure that we're expanding the cluster of services that we offer to be most successful? And how do those align with our flywheel? Yeah. And uh, where, where's your return on investment? How can you show people? So, for example, I did a, a, a customer service training at a large bank. You know, was it, is, was it based on customer sur surveys? Was it based on the amount of new accounts that they received? Was it based on the number of complaints they received per, per teller per month? What was going to be the measurable? Determine that up front so that when you deliver, again, exceed their expectations. Instead of having, we want to have 90% uh, satisfied customers, now we have 95% after the training. So if you can prove the ROI, you can that that customer will be a customer for life. Right. So there's two we'll ROIs. You. Your ROI and theirs. So you want to think about what both of those are and articulate those uh, in the process. So I've named a lot of uh, different partners, and I know depending on where you live in California, it's going to be very different. But we have a slew of banks, and now we have online banks and uh, any other customer service providing industry. Very similar types of of training that they need hospitals again a lot of times you might need special training for that but small businesses uh, what you can do is have consortiums or learning communities where they could get together and share uh, again look for for community grants have they received a grant do they have money for training tech companies well here in the bay area those are our you know our big clients they're usually uh, well equipped to spend large amounts of money, but they want high quality. They want to see something unique and highly transferable. Manufacturing companies, uh, I've done a lot of train the trainer because they don't want to spend a lot of money. They, you know, their profits are very low. And so train the trainer, I worked at a company that did graphic t-shirts and I, I helped them to create videos instead of having to spend a lot of time uh, training one-on-one. -on -one people watch the video. So we created the best videos and we did uh, acceptable and unacceptable visuals uh, that we placed up on the, uh, Ray in, in, the, in, the, the, in, the in the room. So, Ray and just for yeah. the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to keep us moving. But the idea here is yeah. you have a cluster of sectors and types of organizations in your local area. And mm -hmm. just to be thinking about what is the right cluster that you can serve better than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, okay. And we'll go through quickly through this part. Just very quickly ch check internally. Like I said, can you do a team building retreat? What about your foundation? Who's giving money to the, to the college? Can, can you get an introduction uh, through the foundation to that person, uh, through to that HR person? Check out any kind of grants. Of course, ETP is available for al almost all. Check with your career people. That They know who's hiring. Uh, if they're hiring, it's a good plan to train the new hires and look to see if your, com your company offers any kind of professional development. Does each uh, area have a budget for training and how might you be able to complement that training? Yeah. And finally, I think this is our final one, uh, public agencies. Apprenticeship programs are huge. They're growing. I know Chabot just got a huge grant on these. So we're trying to get people, especially in the trade areas. We've mentioned uh, employment training panel numerous times. 
check who's getting the funding, see if they, you could supply something that they're not getting elsewhere. Career One Stops, again, a wealth of information on who's hiring, who's growing, uh, have they opened a new office. City governments, what we did very quickly is we did a consortium with three different city governments, City of Milpitas, City of Fremont, City of Union City, with their firefighters, with their police officers. So they sent three or four people from each area, and this was a great opportunity for them to share. So they didn't have to spend a ton of money because it was cost spread throughout the, uh, the, the, uh, the agencies, but they had a fabulous time sharing best practices. Uh, municipalities, again, water companies, power companies, PG&E. I've done a lot of training myself for PG&E. Find out where they are in the area, what they need. Schools, schools don't have a large budget, but they often could use some training. I actually worked with a school that had a problem employee that they didn't want to fire. They were worried about a legal problem, so I did some consulting work for them on how to fire this person. So you might be able to do something like that. And uh, we actually did get a quote recently from the military. I don't know how much you are working with the military, but we did get a chance to quote on, we did not get the contract, but we did get uh an ability, an RF, RFP, we were able to quote to the Army or Navy. Let me make one comment on this one slide before we move on, which is you sure. heard Rayanne talk throughout this time about training and about consulting. And this goes back to the what do we do question as part of your playbook. And sometimes you just think, well, of course we do training. But the range of things that you actually could do really well that you're situated to do could be beyond that. And if you don't really think carefully about that question and you brush over it, you might be missing out on a whole host of opportunities. Uh, so just want to put that out there. And now as we kind of come to a close, we want to think about, you know, who will you target and what will you offer? And we're actually going to, we're going to ask you to put it in the chat right now. And then we want to go ahead and close out our last few slides and see how what you put in the chat and any other questions connect together. So think about who are you thinking about that you really want to target and what you want to offer. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Chat is still disabled for some of us. All right, so we will come back to that. I know it's working for some, not for others. We'll come back to that uh, at the end be thinking about this question, but let's talk uh, briefly about priorities, right? So part of the playbook is, what's your top priority? What's most important for you in this season of your unit's life right now? What's most important? And to be able to dial in on not just the planning side of it, the activity side, but the, the strategic side, the choice side. What are the, what's the playing field you wanna play on? How are you gonna win? And which of these elements, these are just some examples, are gonna help you determine that, right? What's your flywheel gonna look like? So this, these are just some examples of things that you do need to think about, but not all of them at the same time. It all depends on the season that you're in right now. And so as we think about our priorities, right? We naturally then think about not only what needs to happen and what needs to happen first and then after that, but this last kind of playbook question, which is who will do what? Right. What are the roles that the trainers that are part of my team are going to play, that my boss is going to play, that I'm going to play, that if I have any direct reports or if we have 
partnerships internally or externally, what roles will they play? And are they aware of those? And what expectations do I have for them? And what are the key action steps? What are the commitments that we all have to this being successful? And are we on the same page with why we even think we exist, right? So all of this ties together as we think about our playbook. And we wanna make this really a living document, right? So as you think about these questions, really be spending some time in both the strategy and, and the planning side of it. Why do we exist? How are we gonna show up in a way that reinforces that uh, for each other and those we serve? What do we truly do? How will we succeed? What's most important right now? And who must do what for us to be successful and to drive this forward? So um, we have uh, really just, as always, learned so much from you and what you're thinking about. And we want you to be thinking about not only the question we posed earlier, but where are you gonna go from here, right? Not only who will you target, but who will drive your efforts going forward? And finally, we wanna say, let's collaborate. If you wanna really take it up a notch, look at the people around you across the state who are doing this great work and think about how can we do some of this together? How do we form our own ad hoc teams to discuss our flywheel, our strategy? How do we, what will we do to succeed? Pick each other's brains, learn from each other. That community is really gonna be a great resource for you. Instead of just thinking about your internal team, expand it to this group as well. So I'm gonna go ahead and close up the slides here and we'll open it up the last few minutes and I can stay on a little bit to answer any questions. Uh, and if you wanna to respond to anything that was posed earlier, this is your chance to do that. Jonathan, just on behalf of the CE TAP, I just want to say how grateful I am for you and Ray Ann. What an excellent job you did facilitating this webinar for everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. And uh, this is Janice. I, I, I echo. Uh, those comments made by uh, Margaret. Uh, Margaret, this is a question for you. I, I see that you're going to uh, post everything on the site for our uh, lookup. Any chance you could email it or email a reminder? I find sometimes when I'm having to go out to different sites, I'm just forgetting about them. <laughs> I think it's my youthfulness that's happening. That's not a problem, Janice, at all. I'll ask Faith. Um, It'll be sometime next week after the holiday break. We'll we'll get that, and I'll ask her to email the uh, registrants about that. Oh, well, actually, we'll probably send it to our to... whole. You're on our listserv, so I'll probably do the whole listserv. And Janice, I just wanted to thank you and everybody who, you know, Karen, all the people, Alistair, all the people who really participated because we can't do this alone. And uh, even with two facilitators, sometimes we don't want to step on each other's toes because we have so much we want to share with you. And even though it was, you know, quite a long workshop, there is still more. And I think sharing, keep sharing uh, with, with each other. And you guys have my email and Jonathan's email. If there's anything I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around as far as uh, from the, I'm looking at retirement very closely. So I'm just willing to share whatever I have left. I keep saying that Jonathan laughs at me, but anyway, You've been saying thank that you. Thank you. Thank you so actually, much. Which is a long time. Um, I'm, I'm happy to stick around for a few minutes before I turn off the recording. 
because I think part of the reflective process is important for people. What's one key takeaway that you have? It could be from something you heard or just something you thought about. Let's just go around real quick. Each person just share. What's one key takeaway you have from our time together? Well, this is Matthew in San Luis Obispo. We need to weigh in with the diversity of skills yeah. and the capacity <laughs> to kind of be successful in the community. I think the biggest ingredient that we need are the qualified trainers that get employers talking about how good they are. That is what I will say is the biggest gap that I have is, you know, I can't sell what I don't have. Thank you, Matthew. My my biggest takeaway was a mile deep and an inch wide versus an inch deep and a mile wide. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Karen. I yeah, Jonathan, I think it's... Same... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. sorry. I was going to share that same thing. I like the idea of focusing in on a few clients, but really, um, you know, providing a lot of training for them. Great. And I, I was just going to add that, you know, just, just defining your purpose. I think we just kind of throw ourselves into the pool and start trying to swim. And then we, we wonder why we're drowning. And I think going back to square one and defining purpose is a really good start. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Who else? Denise, Brenda, Alistair? Yeah. Just kind of following on both the last, last themes of uh, defining focus um, because I, I think our department does a lot, but we're, we're very reactionary. So, so a lot of times there's, I, I think if, if, if we kind of map that out, we'll be able to take, uh, take back control of the process and perhaps, you know, in, engage more operationally efficiently. <laughs> so. Awesome. This Janice, I liked the triangle of the product leadership, operational efficiency, and customer intimacy, because that's a visual that ties into um, the six, the the flywheel as well as the mile deep comment. So and purpose. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I like the part just talking about taking the time for developing your strategy what's on your menu mm -hmm. and not getting lost yeah. in all the plans and taking the time for that. Thank you. Great sharing. And Brenda? Oh, sorry, Denise. Thank you, Brenda. Yeah, I, I, it's the purpose because I guess I need to speak with administration. I, I need some help, man. I'm, you know, we're just reactionary. And so we need, to, if they want to make more money, you know, you got to spend money to make money. So yeah, if we had more staffing, then we could go out and do these things. But right now we're just reacting. So. And on that note, we just want to tell you this, that we believe in you. Like we're here, not just because we're asked to be here, but we love this work because you truly are the local expression of the state's ability to respond to the need of organizations. And whether it's recognized internally or not, you're doing tremendous work and you have the capacity to continue to expand and scale that. And we just hope in some small way that this furthers that for you and that you really lean into each other as well beyond this. And you know, mm -hmm. finally, we wanna acknowledge the incredible work that Margaret and Faith have been doing all these years to host things like this and to really do everything in their power, both from their heart and their skill and their time 
to make this possible for all of us to be successful. So I want to close out our time with that. And thank you, everyone. Uh, we really look forward to continuing the conversation. Take care. Thanks, Jonathan. And thank you, Margaret. We're going to miss you and Faith. I've got a tear yeah. in my eye, girls thank and you. boys, because it's it's mm -hmm. been an amazing five years of working with you all. So thank you for, for everything that you've done over the last five years and the best of luck to each of you. Thank you. Have a good weekend.